So today we are here with Jared Spink from The Hive Podcast, as well as, uh, you know, an amazing filmmaker. And you do all sorts of different th- real estate videos, tutorials. I want to kind of get into all that. Um, but hi, Jared. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, no problem, Dave, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I got to say, I'm super excited because this show was definitely a motiva- motivating factor into me, like starting my creative journey, doing a lot of things uh i do yeah man like so before i had my my own like full-time creative job i guess what i mean whatever we want to call it nowadays um yeah i was in the beer industry for a long time and like i you know visited a lot of bars and restaurants and like i had my my sales route and uh um i would listen to the golden hour podcast in between driving to places (laughs) man (laughs) i absolutely love it so i'm stoked to stoked to actually be on wow that's so humbling that's amazing. <laughs> this yeah. show's been around for a long time, I guess. Now it's almost been three years. So yeah, that's crazy. What kind of um, company did you work for? If you're willing to share that, yeah, yeah, I was working for a local beer, beer distributor uh, here in San Diego, um, family owned and operated. Um, they sold big brands, so like everything that okay. Anheuser Busch sold, um, Corona, Modelo, like a, a bunch of the big name stuff, and then some small local things are, are uh, kind of what I handle, like the craft beer side, but. Uh, yeah, nice. it was really, really fun. They got bought out by Anheuser-Busch, though, and I didn't want to work for a big corporation. So, oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just didn't want to go. I've done that before, and I didn't want to do it again. I liked working for a family company. Um, and I was doing the photography, real estate stuff, like as a side hustle for, for quite a while at that point um, and took the leap and said, I'm going to try to make, make this Heck a thing. Yeah. And I have and two years this week, man. Two years. Dude, congrats. Yeah. Air high five, internet mm-hmm. high five. Um, it's kind of unfortunate that we never actually got to meet up because there was a period of time where I lived not too far away from you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like 40 minutes north of me, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Lagoon and Gel is about, yeah, about 45 from San Diego. Yeah. And I'm, um, I'm like North San Diego too. So um, like, oh, cool. You're go- driving through Pendleton and getting into San Clemente after me, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Jevon is up there in San Clemente now. Nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful area. Um, yeah, I miss it. I miss the beach, um, but it is cold out here. It's starting to feel like Christmas the way that I always remember. And uh, it's kind of nice to be back in a place that has like four seasons, like a normal um, state, I guess. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's, it's normal for me, but going to California for three years was like, everything's the same every day it's like perfect weather every single day which yeah. is great but we get we um, get two seasons we get hot during the summer and then we get mm-hmm. just like normal during the winter that's it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i noticed in february um at least every february i was there it seemed like it rained a lot um and the road like people always say like californians can't drive in the rain and that's true but it's only true because the road and the whole like ecosystem is not designed for rain. So yeah. like I've noticed that the way that they build the streets and the way that they have just pavement and, and buildings, they don't take into account that it's going to rain ever. So like things puddle up and get like way out of control. Our apartment would always flood like every time it would rain. It was like no thought was put into like drainage yeah the whole infrastructure is like just a mess when it rains it's just not it's not built for (laughs) that and then because it doesn't rain and all this stuff doesn't get like flushed out for a long time so you get Mm -hmm. everything that backs up and you get the floods and then the roads Uh, are super dangerous because you just have oil and just 
car crap all over the roads that's been building up forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I know you do real estate stuff. I know you're doing YouTube stuff. I know you're doing the podcast. I kind of want to just get the full picture of Jared Spink and how you kind of got to where you are now. I mean, obviously yeah. you just shared that you were working with this, this beer distributor, but um, tell me about your journey uh, into the creative uh, field. Yeah. So I've always, I've always done stuff with cameras off and on my entire life. I mean, I remember, I remember my first kind of really like experience with a camera and, and photography was like in the second or third grade. Um, there was this local, I don't think it was local. I think it was like statewide at, at least, but like each school had their own thing. It was a little like photo contest and who could take the best picture. And it was like sponsored by Kmart or something. And so everybody got like those yellow old Kodak disposable cameras and had to take pictures. And the prize was like another crappy Kodak plastic camera that you could put film in. But um, long story short, like I won that competition. Um, you know, you get your picture up at the local Kmart, like at the front of the store and you get this little camera and I kind of got hooked from there. And so like it came and came and gone throughout my childhood. You know, it, skateboarding is a huge thing. Skateboarding surfing is huge here in you know Southern California. And I, I grew up skateboarding like nonstop. You know, I remember summers just disappearing for the entire day, sunrise to sunset, just skateboarding and, uh, taking pictures, you know, of me and my buddies trying to do tricks in, uh, and stuff. So that it's always kind of been a part of my life as I got older doing surf trips, you know, ton of photography. I'm not really filmmaking. Uh, initially I, I would definitely say photography is the photography bug is what bit me filmmaking and, and video photography, uh, videography came later. Um, yeah. And then, then I, you know, uh, six years ago, I think it was about six years years ago now, I, I got a nice camera again for my anniversary, and I, I just got hooked again. I just got hooked. Like, what what kind of cool stuff can I do? And then, you know, stumbling across, like, Peter McKinnon's channel and picking up tips and tricks on photography and getting back into it um, really kind of got me to where I'm at, at now. And um, luckily, I was doing this as a side hustle when my company got bought out that I was working for so I could... I had enough business to where I could take that leap to go full time. So that's kind of nice. my journey up into that point. <laughs> anniversary. Was that like an anniversary gift from your wife? Yeah. It was more like, it, it, yes, we'll just say yes. It was an anniversary. <laughs> it was more like you want it. Okay. An yeah. Agreement. Go ahead and get it. <laughs> I got it, it with a, her blessing. <laughs> yeah. It was a, an anniversary blessing. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I was going <laughs> to say that's like, that's pretty impressive that she would like, if she came up with that on her own, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, he yeah. really likes cameras. I'm going to save my money on the side. So he doesn't know. And then buy a nice camera, but no, no, it, it's more of like, blessing. I want this camera. Can I buy it? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. I know for me, once I started doing YouTube stuff, I finally had an outlet to talk about gear and it wasn't my wife anymore. And so she was very pleased about that. Cause uh, for years before I even did YouTube, I was just as into gear and, you know, reading the blogs and the forums mm -hmm. as I was when I was doing it full time. And um, I found that really, <laughs> that really helped our marriage. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> so. man. It, it's nice to have someone to talk gear to um, instead of just the, the polite nod, like, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, so tell me about that, uh, that transition period of going from, um, 
full time. I just turned my audio down a little bit because it was clipping. Um, do you still hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Cool. Um, that transition from going from a full time job to not a full time job, and essentially going freelance, self employed. What was that transition like, and how did your your um, your wife, you know, deal with that? How did you guys work that out in your marriage? And um, was there any rough patches along that journey, or were you like super prepared for it? Um, I feel like I was prepared for it, but even being prepared for it, it's still a very scary um, leap to make. I mean, I went from having a company car, a company expense account, and health insurance, great health insurance and the steady, you know, paycheck to none of that, you know, absolutely none of that. Um, and going to like, now we have one car because the company car went away. So I only got one car. So it, it was definitely a scary, scary leap. Um, but luckily, you know, from the business side of it, um, I kind of had my ducks in a row, like get a website, right? Business license, register a business name. Um, already kind of had Um, a good base of clients doing real estate stuff. Um, I had gotten into real estate probably a year before that just because I really enjoyed camera gear and I wanted to afford more camera gear. And so I figured the best way to do that was to try to make money with the gear I had. And I had a friend that was a real estate agent and I just reached out to her. I was like, hey, can can I shoot your next listing? And it um, kind of just snowballed from there. And that's that's been great. Luckily, I, I had a severance pack, a package from the company. So, you know, I had some cushion to try to make this work. And so I, I was probably better off than most people are in that situation where they, they have to just make something out of nothing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was no matter how, it doesn't matter how prepared you are. It's still scary. And um, I, my wife was absolutely amazing, just absolutely amazing because she, uh, she didn't question it. She trusted like full trust, like, hey, I know you you can make this work. You've made anything work that you put your mind to. So, um, I know you can do it. And she, she knows, you know, we, we've been married, oh man, at that point, like seven years. So she already knew like, I'm not going to like let our family fail. So if something's not working, I'll make a transition, but, um, it's worked. And, um, I started full time working for myself, you know, to that November, end of November, 2019, right before the pandemic. So the pandemic hit, that was super scary at first for the first couple of weeks. Um, but it actually picked up business like here in Southern California, real estate really took off. So, uh, pandemic bad, but was great for business. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was quite a, a boom. Uh, I remember when we were living there during all that, I mean, we were actually looking for a house around that time as well. It's ridiculously um, expensive. And yeah. it's gotten worse. And it's, well, especially where you live and in Orange County, everybody's leaving LA and San San Francisco and selling their houses in San Francisco for half a mil, 1.5 million and buying an Orange County house for a million, you know, yeah. to them, that's cheap. <laughs> but um, obviously all these other states like Tennessee and uh, Florida, Arizona, Texas are just getting tons of people as well. Uh, yeah, because if you sell here, years. you got to go to another state because everything's expensive. You, you sell, ex- yeah. Where are you going to go here? You sell super expensive. Um, everything else is super expensive, so um, you're not really doing yourself a benefit by selling and trying to stay here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, today my wife and I and my kids we were thinking about moving out of the place we're at right now, 
we're looking at another area it's an up and coming area reminds me a lot of uh rancher santa margarita where we used to live okay uh except it's not as not as california ish with the mountains and stuff but it's in terms of like shopping centers and access and you know quality of life and it's an up and coming area and it's like nuts you can buy like a four bedroom house for like three hundred fifty thousand with like wow. half half an acre <laughs> <laughs> so it's like once you get outside of the california bubble it's like oh my goodness this is actually practical and uh doable and my kids can have like a house with a yard yeah i just um, i just photographed and did a um videography for a place last week that was 500 <laughs> under 600 square feet one bedroom apart uh condo essentially 350 dave <laughs> oh nice <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's what i told you is cheap for nashville like you know things are typically 600 700 um for a, a decent house here but that's still significantly cheaper than than where it is out there but anyways most definitely we're not here to talk about california people who don't <laughs> live in california and aren't planning on it they're already rolling their eyes at all this but yeah um but as we talk about this you know, we're talking about real estate and that is one of the ways that you're able to sustain yourself and your family, um, doing this real estate photography and I assume video as well. Yeah. Yeah. So just tell me about that whole career path. And actually, um, I'd love to, once you tell me how you got started and what you actually do now, I think there's a lot of people listening who probably would really love to hear how to get started doing this. Cause this is a great time to get into this type of industry. Yeah. I mean, real estate photography and videography is a great way to make money as a creative and to make money with your camera. Um, so I started with just photos because that's, that's all I knew how to do. And at the time that was kind I mean, we're talking three years ago now, I think when I got into it, that, that, that's all anybody was that real, that's all they cared about at the time was just good photos. Um, and then I started to expand my service because if you're going to try to do it as a business, well, you, you don't want people going other places for different services. So you want to try to offer more. So can I offer video services? Yep. Start, start learning how to shoot video, uh, drone services. Yep. Get your part 107, get a drone, learn how to operate a drone. Can I start doing, uh, and this doesn't even have anything to do with the camera, but like just business, like what other services can I offer? floor plans, virtual tours, websites, just all the creative digital assets that uh, someone may need as a real estate agent is kind of what I expanded the whole business to um, because I don't want to send people away to spend their money somewhere else. I'd rather, I'd rather them give it to me. Uh, <laughs> of course. So yeah, you, you want to learn how to expand your services and um, it it's been great. Yeah. So I got into videography. Um, you know, you don't need a, a different camera for that. Most most good cameras now take good video. You just need need a, a decent gimbal. Um, and then most people, you know, I think as a creative, probably have a drone at this point. You just need to get your part 107 and uh, you're ready to rock and roll. But yeah, it's absolutely been great. There's tons of videos on how, how to, you know, shoot, shoot real estate. A lot of people use Flambient. I'm not a big fan of that. I like doing bracketed shots. It's quicker. I'm looking at What's, it from like a... Oh, hold on. Yeah. Pause. Yeah. What's Flambient? I've so never Flam heard of that before. Yeah, so Flambient is basically like shooting brackets, but um, you're using you're doing brackets with flash. So you get like a nice base exposure. You want to get a couple mm -hmm. that are underexposed so you have your windows. And then you'll go in okay. darker areas of the room. You'll you'll pop off a flash um, and then so blend that all in it's post. Like a, it's like HDR is what you're saying. 
basically, but you're you're painting with the flash instead of reliance simply on uh, adjustments in camera. Um, And a lot of people do that. I find the results that I get just shooting HDR multiple brackets have been great. Uh, They look great, and it's a lot quicker. And I'm looking again from the business standpoint, like less gear to carry, faster editing, more profitability. I'm big on the business aspect. You got to have, you got to be able to track your profitability. We shouldn't as creatives feel guilty about making money, doing something we love. So um, yeah, of course, make as much money as you can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, before we, I would love to talk about that and how you came up with your, um, your packages and you know what you charge. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm curious about the gear because um, it's I've never done it. I've I've shot. What I had one client hire me years ago to shoot, um, like a multi million dollar house, and I rented a red, and I went out and shot it. They wanted it to look like a movie, and so I got like a Kessler Cine slider and a red, and um, it was way overkill. Way overkill. <laughs> way overkill and it was fun there's some company there's some real estate agents out here um that that want that right um because they're selling 13 million dollar homes they're selling super expensive homes and so they they go pretty stinking far out like a full production company to come shoot these and that's cool those aren't the clients for me and those aren't the client like i know that right because i I'm not, I don't have the gear. I'm not going to be able to deliver what exactly they're looking for. So I'm not even going to try, not even going to try. They're not, not the clients I I want. And how often are they selling a 13 plus million dollar home? Not that often. I want the average, average real estate agent because I want to, I want to shoot a bunch. I want to be busy. Yeah, (laughs) totally. No, no, that's not even what I was bringing that up about. I'm just saying that was, that's been my only experience ever. Gotcha. uh, Just that one time. And so I'm curious what your setup looks like. Um, I would assume you have a wide lens, um, you know, what camera are you using? And, uh, you know, you mentioned you like to keep it super light and simple. So yeah. walk us through your setup. I'm curious. So everything, I, I just did a video on everything I carry in my, in my backpack, but uh, I make sure it all fits for the most part in a backpack. So I use a pretty big backpack. I use the Peter McKinnon Nomadic, like the first one, the big one thing is heavy as heck. And it gets a lot heavier with all the gear, but it fits everything. Um, so to start off, tr- you know, just a basic tripod. You don't need anything fancy. I have like a cheap Manfrotto travel tripod I picked up at Best Buy. Works just fine. Um, but all you need to get started is a good camera and a wide angle lens. So I'm shooting on a, for my photos, a Nikon Z6 with the mm-hmm. 14 to 30 uh F4. Oh, that's a great lens. Yeah, because you don't need anything fast for real estate because you want to shoot every. Mm-hmm. I shoot everything at f eight. Well, I, I want. I don't want you any want depth of field. I want everything in focus. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm shooting on for for pictures. Um, of course, you know you want to shoot raw, and I shoot brackets. So um, I shoot five brackets. I put it on like a two second self timer after I hit the shutter button, so there's no hands on the camera when it goes off. I do. Yeah, good base exposure. Two, you know, uh, and then two stop increments for that five bracket. So, you know, two under, then two under that, two over, two over that, uh, and that's it for 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 the camera. You can get by with just that too if you wanted to do video. But I'm I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of Nikon 
video. I just don't like the way it looks. Like I've tried working with it as much as I can. <laughs> I just don't like Speak it. Speak for yourself, bro. I liked it <laughs> when I had it. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I just uh, I struggle with with the video that comes out of the Nikon. So, um, so you have I carry a different video camera. Yeah, so I carry a separate camera now for for video, and I'm shooting it. I'm shoot all my video stuff on a Blackmagic 6K with a Tamron. Okay. A, what is it like? 11 to 16. I think it's 11 to 16 um you need okay a, I, that thing li- lives on 11 on that on that 30 you you know, super, super 35 yeah. yeah um and i shoot now everything pro res pro res light <laughs> just to, to yeah, keep down on LT. file size um and with the lut baked in because even with the the picture profile baked in you mm-hmm. still have a ton of play on uh, with the with those files mm-hmm. so that way, what I'm seeing on camera is pretty accurate to what I'm going to see when I get home to edit the video. Mm-hmm. I can make any adjustments. I mean, the only real adjustment you're going to be making when it comes to video um, is your ISO changes, which dual native ISOs have been huge for shooting at homes because they don't have the best light. You can't really light a home for a video. You're trying to get through it quick. And then white balance, huge. Like get your white balance perfect in camera. And if you can do that, very little editing is needed on the videos i shoot in order so like i shoot the front of the house then i shoot the interior and then i shoot the backyard so when i get home all my files are in order and it's just chopping it up to music i'm all trying i'm trying to be as efficient as as possible with these so i can you got to turn these things around you know next day oh yeah for for real estate agents so trying to be as effective too it does yeah so those those are the cameras and then besides besides that batteries um a gimbal rs2 drone right now mavic 2 pro i have the mavic 3 but it's not coming with me on jobs yet um okay i'm still trying to get used to it i'm still it's it's different um it's missing some key features so i don't know yeah it's missing some key features until the update comes out in january um and you know i don't like taking new gear on jobs and getting paid for because i want I want to use something I'm comfortable with and I know how it's going to come out so I can deliver the best to the client. The log profile on the Mavic 3 is completely different than the log on the Mavic 2. It's way flatter. It needs a lot more work. And the conversion LUT that they put out sucks. <laughs> so so <laughs> it's, it's just getting used to working with the image. And so I just don't want to do that on a paid gig yet. You know? Okay. I mean, I'll throw in a little pluggy plug here for Polar Pro. Are you a Polar Pro user? Oh yeah, chance? so the Mavic Two Pro, right? Mavic Two Pro, get using uh, using Polar Pro <laughs> NDs on there, and then even you know on the on the on the Black Magic on the Tamron, um, the Peter McKinnon Edition One, the first one, uh, two to go. five stop on there for we'll my exterior you, uh, shots. We'll get you a V two if you want it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I have the map box system too. So I use that for when I'm okay. doing, um, like yeah, the I d- glass is su- superior on those. So yeah, I use, I use the map box for when I'm doing like talking head shoots. So, uh, real estate agents, I, I try to upsell them to client testimonials, you know, another way to make bit like always nice. trying to think, think outside the box of what I can do for these agents. And so video so testimonials. Making, interesting. So you're making a promo for the realtor so if somebody's considering hiring this realtor they're like hey check out this video uh testimonial and yeah. it's like oh this person's legit yeah <laughs> who wants to read a bunch of a, a bunch of uh testimonials when you can just send them a link and like here 
here, just listen to this. Here, uh, these people, yeah, that way I don't have to say it myself. These people say it for yeah. me. Yeah, and you can tell, I'm like, awesome. it's coming from them. I didn't write the, you know, you don't know where these yeah. written testimonials are coming from. <laughs> At least that's what I'm I tell. Uh, I tell the agent to upsell them to, <laughs> to record and buy yeah, a, buy a video testimonial. So, and good stuff. by the way, everybody... If you're interested in learning some of the things that he's talking about, um, you can go to youtube.com slash Jared Spink and you've got all your stuff there. Um, your podcast as well as yep. these tips and tutorials, your most recent video, real estate video tips, how to make rooms look bigger. Um, we have how to how I color grade my drone footage. Creative professionals might need to hear this. Anyways, lots of good stuff. So everybody go check it out on Jared's YouTube channel. Um, earlier you're talking about the pricing structure and making sure that you charge what you're worth and find ways to, you know, make as much as you possibly can. Uh, can you walk me through that? Were there some mistakes made that makes you have that kind of attitude or you're just kind of speaking for creatives in general who typically, uh, maybe put the, the art in front of, uh, profit. I think it's, <laughs> so. I think it's, a, it's probably a combination of all that, Dave. Um, you know, I come from, when the beer industry and marketing background, um, you know, something I had to look at was pricing and margins and are we making money? And at the end of the day, we're doing this. I, I love creating for myself, but if I'm going to create for somebody else for work, if it's taking time away from my family and time away from stuff I can do, you should be getting paid for it. Uh, and you want to make it as profitable as as possible. So uh, my my pricing is based off just just smart business planning doing research of what the rates are locally and what other people are charging. And I've gone and made spreadsheets and done kind of like that competitive analysis of like, all right, here's what some other people are charging. They're pretty cheap. But then these other guys are like way high up. And I think that's way too much. And then here's this like nice middle ground. Like I would be comfortable with this and that you got to be comfortable with your pricing because your clients will pick up if you're not comfortable with it. Meaning if you feel like, you're not making enough on the job, your clients will pick up on it because you're probably gonna have a bad attitude and your work probably, you'll probably rush through it and it won't be as good quality. So you wanna be comfortable with what you're making. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is doing the competitive research. I think a lot of creatives feel bad for charging, doing something they love. I think they put the art first and that's important, you should. But at the end of the day, like you're leaving money on the table. If other, if they're, are other people doing the same exact 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 thing and they're charging x but you're only charging like half that why why yeah you're just hurting the industry you're hurting the per <laughs> you're hurting everybody that's trying to actually make a living uh doing this and you you're just gonna be known as the cheap person you're just gonna be that yeah. the, the cheap guy the the affordable guy the the discount guy and you don't you don't want to be known as that and you're leaving money on the table so you shouldn't do that totally yeah, I've, I, I have a weird perspective on all this because I've been doing it, like I didn't go to college really and I started when I was 17, so I don't really know any better, but I remember telling people like, yeah, I make $500 in a day and they're like, oh my gosh, that's nuts. Like, what are you talking about 500 in a day? It's like, well, then I don't work for six other days right. <laughs> because I would shoot a wedding on a Saturday and then that was it. And then I do another one the next week and make 500 bucks. And yeah. it's a ton of work and it, you know, of course there's gear in, that I invested in and then time, um, 
you know, thousands and thousands of hours of experience that is going into that. And that's what gives you that value. And you got to remember, like, you don't really want to charge per hour because absolutely it's not. not, it's not, uh, that's not how this works. Like you're the, if you were to charge per hour, then it would be like way more expensive than per project because the amount of hours that of experience that you've had as a creative are included in that because they're paying you for your experience and your knowledge. So, um, don't forget that. Like it's, you know, you're worth, uh, what, you know, whatever the going rate is. And obviously if you can figure out a way to, to make a living with it, um, then it's, it's a, a huge blessing to do what you love for work. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people, if, especially if you're coming from an hourly, you know, or a salary based job, and then you go into freelance, it's like, wait, what? I can charge seven fifty for a day's worth of work? It's like, yeah, because, you know, first off, not many people know how to do it. And you're also not going to land one of those every day. You're going to maybe do, you know, two or three of those in a month if you're lucky, you know? So Yeah, and I, I think that's where a lot of the holdup is, is there's a lot of people coming into the industry that aren't familiar with industry pricing um, because they're used to just being salary or an hourly employee and they don't really know how the creative industry prices stuff like hour you don't charge clients hourly rate like don't do that you're 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 hurting yourself doing that um the only people that should be charging uh, paying you hourly is if you're doing work for a production company and even at that point they're charging you like yeah they're paying you half day or a day rate they're not even paying you hourly so um, yeah, I've never been paid hourly before. Yeah. I don't. Uh, it's been odd if it ever was. Exactly, it's um, always just because a, a set amount. Because as a creative, you're not. I mean, it's literally like I've heard some a lot of people talk about this recently. But if you're getting paid hourly, I'm being punished for being fast and uh, efficient and good. Yeah. And basically, it's like so. If I take longer and go slower, I get paid more. So. <laughs> Why on earth would I go fast? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and here's, and, here's the thing, Dave, like the way I, I look at it, cause th this is a hot topic for me. Like I love talking about pricing. Um, <laughs> if you can't tell, uh, the people that get paid hourly are employees. When someone yeah. hires you, you are not their employee. They're hiring a business. They're not hiring an employee. I don't hire a plumber by the hour. I hire them by the yeah. job because I'm hiring the company Good way to put it so you're a creative company you're not a creative individual when you're getting hired you are a business you got things to think about i don't feel bad when i charge you know 225 dollars to go shoot a listing just for photos that takes me 30 to 40 minutes i have friends who say wow you make 225 dollars in like in that amount of time well no like i have business insurance i have internet i got phone like i'm a business i'm not a person i have bills gotta, to pay yeah. and I, business insurance you, you got your gear you got to drive over there you got to right. drive home you got to offload the footage you got to back up the footage you got to edit the the photos uh you have to pay for lightroom because Everything. it's a stupid subscription and they won't ever get away from that because it works really well for them yeah <laughs> and it's super annoying because there's nothing that can replace lightroom uh <laughs> yeah there's there's tons of other costs and you should be figuring that into your your pricing because at the end of the day you're coming up with a pricing structure for a business and not yourself so remember that yeah. they're hiring a business and not a person employees get paid hourly you're a company <laughs> totally well said yeah that's a great tip and i need to hear that myself too because uh, i'm looking into going 
uh, I committed to a year with my cousins this year full time, and uh, that year is up uh, in December, and so we're going to renegotiate, and I'm I'm going to go freelance. So I'm really excited to kind of go back into that game, and also that means I'll have time to do YouTube again. So that'll be fun. So um, yeah, that was good for me to hear too, because I need a refresher on all that. Because <laughs> it has been sort of nice being full time, not having to think about it. It, it. it is stressful to think about. And I mean, when you're doing this as a business, that, I mean, that's just, at least for me, that's the main thing you're thinking about. Like, I got to make a living. So, I mean, pricing should always kind of be top of mind and and you should always reevaluate your pricing. Like, take a look at it every, your business, quarterly evaluations. When you're paying your quarterly taxes, start evaluating your business and your your, your margins and your profitability. Do you need to make an adjustment? Um and just remember when you're coming out with your pricing, it is so much easier to come down than to go up, guys. Always, <laughs> so, always, always. And so even if you got to discount something, uh, maybe where you're just getting started and um, you want to get a portfolio and, and the, let's say the going rate is $200 for whatever it is, but you need a portfolio. So you're going to go, you're going to charge half that. Well, first off, bad idea. Don't charge just half that. But if you are, invoice, <laughs> invoice for the $200 and then dis add in a discount line on your invoice because then that discount line can easily go away because the client sees what what it actually costs. So never it's a, I always tell everybody this. It's easy it's easy to come down, hard to go up, so make sure you're always invoicing the full amount. Always, yes. And uh yeah, cuz then you can say, "You know what? I'm going to give you a discount." And then yeah. it makes them feel good too. <laughs> yeah. Um so t- uh kind of as we uh get towards the end here i want to talk about the uh the youtube channel and your strategy with that and the podcast how that came about how that folds into your business um yeah i mean just tell me about your your strategy with it and kind of what you're what you're up to with your yeah. youtube channel so uh, the youtube channel i've originally started because i just had a passion for wanting to create something um i think as a content consumer, I consumed so much content that I was like, I really enjoy consuming the content and it looks pretty fun to make it. So I'm going to try making it. And I, I ended up pulling the trigger because, um, yeah, just, you know, we see, we always see the highlight reel of people's lives, um, and not what's really going on behind the scenes. And at the time, um, my wife and I were, we were dealing with some pretty difficult medical decisions. And so, um, it kind of puts things in perspective. And I think a lot of people hold back from creating because you, you, you're scared of what others are going to think of your content and it's not going to be good enough. Um, and it really put that whole situation, put things into perspective for me. I didn't care what people would think. So I just, you know, pulled the trigger and started creating and, um, I, I kept going with it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, it's, I've kind of changed it. I'm still kind of just figuring it out, even though I've been doing it for a couple of years, it's just, I want to, I'm not creating to grow the channel. I'm creating because I want to try different things. And occasionally I'll create something that, you know, like the latest tutorial I did on how to make rooms look bigger in your real estate videos, because, Hey, this is a cool little neat trick that is super helpful. It makes your videos look better. I'll share it with somebody else. And so that's kind of yeah, just exactly. my mentality behind YouTube. Um, I don't treat, treat it like a business yet because it's not really there. It's more just like, brand awareness if a real estate agent or somebody wants to see that oh he does can he can create content it's there yeah cool (laughs) um and then the podcast that's what i'm passionate about i love creating the podcast i i've been listening to podcasts 
forever. And I remember wanting to start one back in 2010. And like every other content creator, probably I allowed myself to get talked out of it and finally pulled the trigger in 2020. And I'm hooked, man. I love it. I mean, of course, this show, this show is a big inspiration and uh, I love, yeah, I love talking to other creatives. It, it's definitely evolved over time and it, it kind of focuses now. The whole focus is talking to other creatives about their journey, how they got started. So it helps other people get started. So not necessarily where they're at now, but like, give me the whole journey. Tell me about that experience creating your first video. Tell me about those uh-oh uh -oh moments. Like, oh man, I really messed this up. How'd you get past it? And then also yeah. uh, the entrepreneurship of creativity because creativity mm -hmm. is just another form of entrepreneurship these days. A lot of people are making a living, living full-time off YouTube and, and their creative endeavors. So um, I think diving behind the scenes into how that is entrepreneurship and how people make a living doing it is really interesting. And I hope that it motivates other people to be able to do the same thing. Yeah, everybody go check it out, the Hive podcast. Um, and by the way, we're using this Ecamm Live thing. I've never used it before. How do you like it? Oh, I love it. So I, I'm a huge Ecamm fan. It's great. I love, I mean, I can... We haven't really done you any can. fancy stuff with this, but you can switch in between camera scenes. You can build your graphics huh. into it. Um, it's great for live streaming, obviously, Ecamm Live. Um, we're using it just to record, yeah. but it records great video quality and it records multi-track audio on top of that, which is fantastic. So I'm a huge, huge so, I mean, fan of it. So, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at, if you're listening to the audio, I'm looking at a website. It's like a custom Hive podcast website and this is jared set all this up for me so i'm not even having to do any recording here which is <laughs> making my job even easier than ever i'll send you my bill but, for producing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah my problem my problem with the shows has been um the kind of frustrations of like hey can you set up your camera and then like google drive me the files or you know dropbox me the file later and then you know, Joshio sends me half of the footage and then I text him the next day. I'm like, Hey, I only got half of it. And he's like, Oh shoot, I don't know where it is. And then I'm like, Oh gosh, okay. Now I don't have anything. You know, it's like, so I've always had an audio backup going on in the background with, uh, audio hijack, which I'm actually using right now. That's kind of my, uh, chosen, uh, just like plug mic into computer record wave file, uh, software. It's like, it's tried and true. I've never had any issues with it. It's clean. It's simple. I really love it. It's a great little Mac app, Audio Hijack. But um, I've switched to Zoom and just kind of like, even if people have a nice camera um, with like a webcam setup, up Looks with horrible. It, I'm like, hey, <laughs> well, yeah, it looks terrible. It's 720. It's 25p as well. Um, they, for some reason, chose that as their like um, their preferred uh, format. Yeah, it looks super soft. Even in the like HD setting, it looks like garbage, but it's very, very simple for everybody to use it. Cause like everybody knows what Zoom is. I send them a link, they click it, there they are, there I am. It works. So I kind of just resorted to it because it's like I don't want to deal with having people it's it feels like such an inconvenience for me to already ask them to be on the show and then to not only ask you. them to be on the show and then say, Hey, whenever you get a chance, can you send me those files? It's just like, no dude. Like, you know, especially some of these people who are just very busy that I've had on the show. 
Um, I just, I don't want to inconvenience them in any way. I already, you know, I already am so grateful for their time to be on the show in general. So I've, I've tried a couple of these other programs, but I've never used Ecamm. What's, what's happening here to give you a cleaner, uh, video feed from my end? Cause yeah. you're in California, you're recording locally, I would assume. Yeah. But then mine's just going I'm just over Wi-Fi even. I'm not even plugged into Ethernet over here. Oh, well, you're a brave man. <laughs> uh, let me tell I'll just walk I've, you kind of I through. I have fiber. <laughs> I'll, I'll walk you through kind of like what I do for, for my podcast. So I, I always have a backup recording too. Uh, I run everything into the Roadcaster. So your audio is coming into the Roadcaster. My audio is going into the Roadcaster. It's recording uh, like a backup wave file. Um, and those that'll actually probably what be what I use for the audio version of, of the podcast. But then Ecamm as well is recording both our audios into separate tracks as well as a stereo track that's baked into the video, which you can all, always detach the audio and, and post sure. if you need to. Left, right. Um, yeah. So you have you have like a full blown video done with audio, but then you also have backup audio as well if you need it. And yeah, it's just, it's great. It's my camera. I'm shooting on the black magic 6k. It's going into the ATEM. ATEM shoots everything out at 1080, but I'm recording in 4k. So it's being up into 4k into Ecamm, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm trying to understand the technology here. Is it kind of taking like when you sent me a, instead of zoom, which is basically just, I'm any recording I'm getting from Zoom is just me simply recording Zoom mm -hmm. on my end. So I get lags. I get, you know, if their internet sucks, it kind of looks like crap. But is it basically taking my footage? Because I have the cam links, you know, the Elgato Yeah, it's taking thing. your footage and, and plugging it right in. And it's it's an app on my computer. Even though you're on Chrome and you, you click my customizable link and you choose your, your video input and your audio input and all that. Um it's all being recorded locally through the app straight to my hard drive on my computer. I wonder if it's like, I wonder when you hit stop, if it does a little bit of processing, cause it may be like taking my perfect clean feed and just kind of like sucking it up into their servers, like frame by frame perfectly from my end and then syncing it. I don't know what they're doing, but it's I pretty think cool. In theory, you're not getting any like jagged, choppiness ever do you never you never see any lags uh, i it's never as if you're getting a f yeah. it's as if you're getting a video file it may not be as clean and perfect as the true native file of course, of course. not. of course not but you're you it's a it's as if you're getting straight from my camera for the most part for the most part it's pretty good and yeah like you said you're gonna get you're obviously gonna get better quality if i recorded straight you know to my camera and you record straight to your camera but it's a lot less it's a lot more work <laughs> trying to be as a, again as efficient as possible and this is good enough and it's actually it's it's really really good and um, i think you're gonna like it as soon as i hit finish um it processes maybe for a split second but all the files are right there on my hard drive immediately have you tried it with a guest who doesn't have a nice setup like this with a camera with a mic and they're just using like an iphone and airpods or anything um i've is done it with somebody just with airpods um okay. and yeah you know i have um but honestly i wonder if i like, have if i have me a i have gear requirements for the show at this point uh if you're gonna come okay. on if you're gonna come <laughs> on the show like you got to be able to stream from a nice camera and have decent audio um and if you don't okay uh 
then you're sorry, out. Sorry, yeah, you're you're out. Like you I, are I, the weakest link. I do have <laughs> I do have some expectations for the show and the quality I want it to be. So um, I have typically um, typically I have a a link I I send out to people that are going to be a guest where they can pick a date and time with their info and it has a questionnaire. Can you record audio? Are you able to be on camera? It has questions and it answer. They have to answer all those, so I know all the info and their 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 I gear didn't get setup. That. I wish I got because that. we were just messaging through through Twitter. <laughs> I know, and you you uh, you listen to the show, so you know I have a uh, SM7B at least. Yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I, like I knew you could else. handle this. I and I've experimented with the pop filters. Like I've got the big ball one now that you have, and then there's the one, the default one that Joe Rogan uses. I don't for like some the default one. The, I, I like this the default one. one the default one looks better on camera. Like it looks less big and obtrusive, but uh, of course you're getting more plosives in it. So um, you really should be using a, like a pop filter on top of that, but nobody does. Um, and then I, I've done the uh, take the entire thing off and use a pop filter completely clean. And I mm. actually really like how crisp that sounds with nothing, but it looks hilarious these, on camera, right? <laughs> it looks hilarious. And people kind of like, yeah, or like, what the heck is going on there? But this is the the easiest method, the the giant ball um, foam windscreen. Uh, I don't seem to get as much, as many plosives as you would think. See? Yeah. Plosive. It's great. My Sorry, whole people. setup for podcasting is absolutely ridiculous and overkill, but I love it. And it gives it gives it good quality. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, I have a whole golden hour set upstairs, but that room is like such a mess right now. So I'm in the guest room right now with my switch in the background. But um, yeah, so I've been like moving the show around my house where I can actually fit things because uh, my room is just a wreck right now. And I don't I don't feel like cleaning it. That's Although awesome. It would only take me like two hours to clean it. Probably the switch looks good. Just, if you can tell, I got like brand, I got I do branding behind me so you can see the the podcast uh-huh. logo like right behind my shoulder and then right on the computer <laughs> behind me and then my company logo right behind my head so the, the background's all branding <laughs> just little yeah. and then the shirt too right oh and like, the shirt too is that yeah. your yeah is that your merch that's kind of yeah. like yeah it's my merch it's kind of like the the whole thing about the show just start so this is my hashtag just that's amazing just start shirt with the logo as to- the a <laughs> I would love to like rent out an office and then just turn it into a set and it's just always there. It's not a part of my home, so it's not going to ever get touched or changed. Uh, it's just like a set place. I drive there. I do the show. I drive home. It's just like that would be kind of the dream for me. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I was able to, to set that up like where I'm at. It doesn't move. This is this all stays. Um, but the disadvantage of that is it takes up a lot of room when you're actually just trying to do work in the office. Yeah. <laughs> takes up half the <laughs> office. What are you rocking by the way, computer wise these days? Uh, computer wise. So uh, I haven't jumped on the M one bandwagon yet. Um, mainly because like I, I have a fully spec'd out iMac i nine. Like it was basically the, the latest one before for the M ones were coming out. So it was super, yeah. exp- it was super expensive. Um, it still works well, but it, it, it still struggles at times. I still have to do proxies. I still got to transcode um, a lot, a lot of files. Unfortunately, Boo. I know, but I'm used <clears> to maybe that workflow. Uh, yeah, maybe you can uh, consider. I mean, you were just talking about how you gotta, you gotta figure out ways to make things more efficient for your business. Yeah, so. the M1s look great, but 
gosh dang are they expensive <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean i'm i'm rocking a i i i got my cousins bought the uh the macbook pro m1 max or whatever mm-hmm. but um i personally have the m1 mini you know those aren't too too bad yeah that's that's not paid like that's thousand, not you know, too bad for it yeah yeah um I do want something it's extremely really fast though. And I, I just don't like rocking a separate monitor. Like I like having them a monitor. So I'm, I'm holding yeah. out for the, just for the M one yeah, IMAX, you know, hold out, man. Yeah. Get the M one pro, even the pro, the M one pro would be a huge jump for you. Uh, I'm considering upgrading this mini whenever the, the next mini comes out. Um, I'll just do like an M one pro version of that. Uh, because I, based on the, a lot of the, like, I originally just was like, max out everything, M1 Max, 64 gigs of RAM, everything. But now that I've seen a lot of reviews, um, it seems like for what I do, just even the Pro with, like, even 16 gigs of RAM is enough. The Pro mm-hmm. already steps it up quite a bit from just the M1. Um, I've had a couple issues with export time and with graphics on the M1, but in terms of the timeline, uh, like when I'm actually editing, everything is like three times faster on the M1. Even on a even on like the cheapest MacBook Air, you're gonna see uh, faster performance than even probably your Intel. Um, and that's why I sold my four thousand dollar Intel uh, machine before you know before I switched. So I'm grateful for it, but the export time is slower because the processor isn't as good and the graphics isn't as good. But um, yeah, Apple Silicon really has just changed the game. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. It, it it's blows an exciting my mind. Time. Yeah, it blows my mind. Those, those laptops, <laughs> they, they look awesome. They look expensive. Yeah. Um. And one of the things holding me back is I like having the desktop. I really do because it gives you some of that work-life balance. If I had the laptop, I know I'd be out on the couch working, or I'd take it with me sure. and I could work like. Now it's, I can't work on the couch because the computer's in here, and I can't work on vacation because the computer's here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And those those versions aren't out yet, so yeah, yeah it's you're not, and who cares? Like the only people that know the difference is you and a bunch of nerds. Like your clients don't know the difference and absolutely. don't even care. So absolutely. Um, Cool. Well, we've run out of time, Jared. Thank you so much for coming on the Golden Hour podcast, for teaching us about uh, real estate photography and uh, some business tips. We're going to have to have you on again. And everybody go listen to the Hive podcast. Sounds like there's some, I mean, I've looked at your guest lineup. They're amazing. Uh, your next guest uh, is really a handsome fellow. Uh, <laughs> we're actually going to record an episode uh, for your podcast after this yeah, one. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, check out the hive podcast, everyone, the YouTube channel, Jared Spink, S P I N K Jared. It was a pleasure to have you on the golden hour podcast. Um, happy Thanksgiving tomorrow's Thanksgiving as we record this. <laughs> yeah, it's such an honor. Thanks for having me, Dave.